The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey guys, Ralph Marlbro here. We need your support to keep Saints Happy Hour going this offseason. Please support the show by becoming a patron so we can continue to cover the Saints in the ridiculous fashion you've come to expect. If you support the show, you get access to the podcast ad-free. No ads ever. Plus, you get our world-famous booze bundle, four swag items, amazing. And you get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7. So please support Saints Happy Hour so we can keep this amazing community growing. Support the show at SaintsHappyHour.com today. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints Happy Cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to a special edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Andrew, might be the biggest guest we've ever had. We've had Wendell Pierce, we've had Bomani Jones, we've had Mina Kynes, but this one, Andrew, it's the biggest one we've ever had. It's Matt Ryan. You're telling the truth. I am telling the absolute truth. Matt Ryan Ryan is joining us. Matt, thanks for joining us. Matt, are you there? I am. How are y'all? It's not really Matt Ryan. He's a a patron. Well, no, no, hold on. It really is Matt Ryan. And I was Matt Ryan way before that panty waist quarterback in Atlanta was Matt Ryan's. So remember that. There yeah, we you have go. the real we have the real Matt Ryan. We have the we have the Matt Ryan that counts. So Matt is a patron and this podcast everybody's listening to it free, but if you become a patron for Saints Happy Hour and you get at the highest level, you get all kinds of benefits and you get to have your own episode with us where uh, we talk to you and you goof around. And Matt is one of those guys. And me and Andrew were so excited. I, I texted it. Andrew. I was like, oh, my God. Matt Ryan signed up for the podcast. And it's one of those things where we just think this is hysterical. But, Matt, thanks for thanks for supporting the show. How did you find the show? And uh, how long have you been listening? I've been listening for a couple of years. My um, friend, Allison Marie Smith. She turned me on to y'all and said that y'all are really hilarious and and she had a really great sense of humor and was really smart. So she um anything that she liked I knew was good. And so I started to listen to y'all in um I think it was the Sue episode when y'all were 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 talking about Sue maybe coming here. Oh my god. Yeah. That oh, was a mistake. When we, we were getting excited about the term we Sue Dad. We were <laughs> yeah. We were breathless about Indomitian Zoo. Full disclosure, Matt, me and Andrew were texting each other. Have you heard any updates? Have you searched Twitter? What's going on with Sue? Like, we were we were all in on Indomitian Zoo. Like, I remember when, like, Sean Payton went to the restaurant with him. Like, oh, my God. We were like, uh, 
It was it was a little bit over the top. Me and Andrew's obsession with the Saints trying to get Sue. <laughs> well, I I kind of fell on the sword myself a little bit. I um I marched in the St. Patrick's Day parade, and Morstead's since he's been the Saints been marching with us, so we always get to bullshit with them and stuff. And and so I was dumb enough to use my time with them instead of talking about you know ambush or something smart. Um that that he had just renegotiated this contract. And I said, is there any truth to the rumor that you're renegotiating to make room for Sue? And he, he did not take that well. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something I would ask him. And yeah. he would just hang up on us. So y- y'all weren't alone in your idiocy about Sue. Well, Matt, I, I have to tell you, man, um, you know, obviously for those of you that don't remember Allie, I mean, she, she was a fierce, fierce listener, great, great friend of the podcast and uh, passed away tragically. I know some of you remember her on Twitter as Allie of Sin, and uh, she was uh, in the Discord uh, frequently, and we, we had a podcast uh, a while ago dedicated to her. Um, and she lives so on. I, she lives on with the podcast. The, the hotline it sort of goes dormant in the off season, but once the season starts, the hotline fires back up, and she is the intro to the hotline. So she's always with us during the season. So that's right. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, if, so if that dedicated to her is archived, I'd like to. I'd like to be able to find it. Yeah, I can, uh, Matt. I'll try to, I'll try to dig it up for you, or maybe even send, and maybe even send you the the file. That's from the. I think I did a podcast with her on the old. It was the old days, Andrew, for it was the the Podbean, the olden days, before mm-hmm. before Patreon. But but Matt, the thing that I'm always curious with when I when we talk to patrons is your Saints fandom. What what's like your first saints memory that like sticks with you if it was a game or a player where like you where you remember and you're like that's the moment i was a saints fan for good or for ill forever is there is there a specific like childhood memory or, or memory that you have in your life where you're like that's where that's where my saints fandom that's where it started yeah when i'm the youngest of eight and my um my dad had eight season tickets since the beginning in Tulane Stadium. And and people are gonna think I'm I'm not telling the truth about this because if you list talk to New Orleanians, there are about eight hundred thousand people in Tulane Stadium that day in November. But my first <laughs> was MC's field goal and I was seven. And um we had four tickets on the sideline and four in the end zone. They were called the the youth seats and they cost a dollar fifty. And um, so one of my brothers couldn't go or something. So that's how I ended up going. They want to waste a ticket. And we were sitting there at the end of the game and I was goofing off, not really paying attention. I didn't know what was going on. And my oldest brother that was with me says, what's this joker going to do? Kick a hundred yard field goal. Let's get out of here. Well, I try to kick the longest field goal in National League history. They're sending him on with two seconds. Scarpetti will hold. Here's the snap. The ball is down. Dempsey kicks. It's on the way. It is. Good. It's good. It's good. The Saints have won. The Saints have won. The stadium is wild. Dempsey is being mobbed. The time has run out. The Saints have won. 19 to 
we were in the end zone that that the ball came through so we're walking down the 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 steps because back at Tulane Stadium then you had to um walk onto the field when you were in the end zone and then go out through the tunnel there wasn't a way to get like in into the back so um so they so we the crowd all got jammed right at the at the um at the railing and i was there there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip i'd like to check into the centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. And they all stopped for a reason. I didn't know what they were doing. And then everybody just started to go absolutely berserk. And... I didn't know what was going on. I just put up my hands and started jumping up and down because that's what everybody else was doing. And so it was just that, that was my memory of Dempsey's field goal. And it's, it's been, you know, we would go see him at the, um, at the, they would do stuff at Lakeside mall where he would show up and sign pictures and people would bring me bobbleheads and stuff. So it was just, it was just that, that's what did it. And then I've been to, to, I think I can count on one hand if I got a couple of fingers cut off the, um, the number of game home games I've missed since then. Wow. You know, and, and, uh, and Andrew, I was going to say for, for younger, for younger saints fans, they don't really think they don't really understand. I think the Dempsey kick, they just look at it as like, Oh, it's just another thing in saints history, man. Up until like 1991, when they won a division title, you would, I would argue, the Dempsey kick was the greatest thing in Saints history, and second was like a distant second. Like that was the that was like their only highlight that they had. The only thing that like Saints fans could cling to that like they were the best at. Like Tom Dempsey kicked that sixty-three yard field goal. Like that was a huge Saints thing. Maybe the biggest one until maybe maybe the mid nineties. I don't know. I don't know. But that's like the moment in Saints history. Yeah, and it's really weird because that moment cemented my lifelong love of the Saints and my lifelong hatred of Dallas because that, <laughs> that was the first thing I started to hate about Dallas was their general manager at the time, Tech Schramm, after the mm -hmm. kick, made an official complaint with the NFL that Dempsey had an unfair advantage because he had half a foot. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's right. I was like, if, if y'all can do that, what kind of scumbags are y'all? And then <laughs> I was like, and, th- and then they go in and fire Tom Landry. And then I was just like, all right, this is it. They're, they're just a garbage franchise. I love it. It cements your Saints fandom and your hatred of the Cowboys. That's oh, it's tremendous. beautiful. We are on the Locker Room app every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. Talking Saints, talking NFL. It's amazing. You can interact with us, goof it to us. We're having a blast talking Saints live. All you have to do is go download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and then join the NFL group. Follow me at Saints Happy Hour to be notified when the room goes live. We'll be going live every Wednesday at around 9 o'clock to talk Saints. So do it. Download the Locker Room app today and then join us live every Wednesday at 9 o'clock. Well, Matt, Matt, I mean, this is just fascinating to me. I mean, what a game to pick to start. Like, for that to be your lasting memory of your first time going to a Saints game, I mean, you really hit the lottery. That really was, I mean, other than, other than like if you had been at the kickoff that Gilliam ran back, you know, the first time, uh, I mean, that that's as good as it gets. But I'm just curious, like, so your era of Saints fans, I just feel like so many from that era, and it, you know, I mean, it's, it's part of the deal just with the team at that time. They were losing constantly. And so you, you had to have a good sense, and especially someone like you where you were going to every game. And I know that, you probably had no choice for a while because your dad was just bringing you and all your siblings. But at some point you get old enough to where like it becomes a choice and you keep going. And so you strike me as like a diehard saints fan. That's positive and like going to support the team no matter what. But I felt like your era of saints fans just had a lot of fans that were like, we're going to laugh at ourselves. Cause like, the team's not giving us anything and we love it. We love the saints. We're going to support the team, but like, you know, it's kind of almost like uh, you're falling on the sword every week, you know? So I'm just curious, like for someone like you that kind of went through that whole period in the seventies of sometimes having false hope, most of the time being disappointed and then going all the way to a place where the saints win a freaking super bowl. And the, just the arc of that, can you put that into words as a fan? Well, it, it, it started, I think it was, it was Saints fans got bolded by the, the binding of, of failure. That, you know, we didn't have a winning season till Jim Mora got there in 87 or 86. And then, and then so 87 was the first winning season. But so that time from, that was 20 years with, with no, no winning and, and, you know, hardly even breaking even a couple of times. And, and just the idea of almost getting there and being able to win this game and getting Kenny Stabler and, <laughs> and, um, you know, what's his name? The, the big tall guy, idiot from um, the Rams. Um, Jim Everett. Yeah, ever. You know, all these winning quarterbacks that would come in and be like, oh, well, that's it. You know, we found the deal and and Archie getting hurt and and, you know, those years of, of Manning and Muncie and Galbraith. It was just it was just, um, you know, I think it builds character more to to lose than to win. And so and so here we are, we're we're losing a lot. And then 
and then Mora comes and it just it was it was amazing to be in the city and it was even more amazing than 09 because because culturally i mean people were writing songs about the saints 87 you know, is ridiculous people don't understand know, it's crazy. it like, is this explosion of of emotion and euphoria and and so that's sort of you know if you were going to build a football fan that's what you do is you you give them hell for 20 years and then you give them a glimpse of something and then you take it away and then you you bring it back so it's like we were tempered as Saints fans. Yeah, and, and go ahead. And and the, the like the other thing that bugs me is is um A Bear. Had he not sit out sat out in eighty nine when we had that defense at full strength mm-hmm. with the Dome Patrol, Sean Payton may have brought the second Super Bowl to New Orleans. Well, you don't know, get I, don't get Ralph started on Abear. Well, no, I think I think I think it's fair. I, I don't know that it, the thing that the thing that Abear when him the thing that he did sitting out with the Saints is he he made the Saints trade a one, a two, and a three for Steve Walsh. And regardless of what I think of Bobby Abear as a quarterback, like they could have used those assets to add a wide receiver, to add a healthy running back, to add another piece on offense. And they couldn't because they gave it all away for Steve Walsh. So I, I think, I think I totally agree with his, the, the, the Bobby Abear holdout one way or another, it killed their chances to win a playoff game to go far in the NFC, like it, they, the NFC was a mountain to climb in the '90s with San Francisco and Washington and all that, right? But to not have those assets, Andrew, it just basically it was a, it was a neutron bomb on their like play on our like playoff dreams of like being something. Yeah, yeah. I it, man, I just gotta say it's fascinating, man, to hear a, the perspective of your of what Ryan has to offer, just because it's like. I'm a big nerd and, and buff on Saints history and I love it. And it's just like, it's incredible to hear you talk about Mora and that era. Cause that, that's really, you know, 80, I, I was born in 1980. So if you talk about being seven, when Dempsey makes that kick, like the Saints yep. making the playoffs for the first time, like that's when I was seven. So like that era that you're talking about, that's what I grew up on. But it's, uh, it's, it's just fascinating to hear you talk about that almost being prefer to 2009 because it's like you finally start to get a taste and you're right that was a really good time um but i'm just curious was there a moment or a memory that you have of the mora era in particular that you remember really fondly well um, i have a couple um the uh, i'll start off with the bad um we were playing san francisco and and it was always a close game. It was at home, and and Jerry Rice catches a, a long touchdown pass, and he's ahead of everybody. And it, about at the three or two yard line, he starts to take the ball and put it up over his head to, to hot dog it a little bit, and he and he bobbles the ball and and throws it out of the back of the end zone before oh he And and we lost that game by like four points. And, and I will go to my friend, grave. That was a fumble. And they had replay. They had replay at the time and they didn't overturn it. And you can watch the video of it. You can find it on YouTube. Jerry Rice. I was at, I was at that game. I was he, there in person for that. In the end zone, Jerry Rice 
banged on the goalpost in frustration because he knew what he had done. Right, right, right. So, so that that's probably a you know because it was always it was always tough losing to San Francisco. Yeah, and I couldn't stand. And uh, you know, I hear these stories at Tulane that when his son was there, that he used to go there, and people would would sidle up to him and he would be really rude to him about talking to him i would just sidle up to him and say listen i don't want to talk to you because i think you're a sack of shit and then i'd leave him alone. but um <laughs> the the thing that um the, the the thing that i remember most fondly was that was that defense and and the the goal line stand when we were playing the rams in that in that was it the playoff game where they they were like had first and goal from the one and just stuffed them every play. And, and that was right in front of me because we sat on the first row of the loge mm-hmm. in the end zone. And so we got a, I bring my, I could bring my Nikon camera in back then. And I have all kinds of pictures of, of Vaughn Johnson meeting somebody being there when they were trying to go over the, the end zone. It was, it was hilarious. So, so I remember the, the defense and I remember the, this is going to be weird. But the hope of John Forcade. Oh God! You know, when when Forcade ended that that previous season, he was killing it. He was fun. He was God. He yeah. was he was uh he was he was I think he was a Grand Marshal in in Damien. I think he was Bacchus. Like the John Forcade mania going into nineteen ninety was. I don't think I could. I don't think I can put it into proper perspective for like younger saints fans like because he was this he was this new orleans kid quarterbacking the saints he was a replacement player he's from old miss and he was awesome for three weeks and it was just it was just crazy yep yep and then he just sucks as hard as one can <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Uh, you know what I remember about that time frame is uh, Morton Anderson owned a bar uh, called Champs on Veterans and by Lakeside Mall. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he would frequently go there after games, and so you know, at this point, my, my uncle would take me. And Champs, you know, it was a bar, but you know, they also serve food, so you could you could get in as a kid. And after games, my uncle would take me there, and uh, you know, around dinner time, and Morton would be there, and Tommy Barnhart was always there, Brett Maxey was always there. Um, so there's a number of players that I got to meet, you know, and, and I'd hang out with them after a win. And as, as a kid, you know, now we're probably like, this is like in the 90, 1990, 1991. So like, I'm like 10, 11 and it's just the coolest freaking thing. The coolest experience at that point in my life. I remember. Yeah. It, the, the also too, Matt is Younger Saints fans, like, they feel like seven and nine, the sadness loop of 20, you know, 2014, 15, 16. They feel like that is the worst experience. Like, but to me, if you're a Saints fan, like, the Saints, they haven't been hopeless since 1980, what, 485? Like, even in more, even at the end of Mora, besides his final year, like, there was always hope that it was like, well, if this can go right, if that can go right, we can get back to the playoffs. Even with Hazlitt, as frustrating as it was with Aaron Brooks, right? We were always like, well, if, if Aaron Brooks can play good, maybe it can There maybe was can There was hope out. with Ditka. There was hope with Ditka, just because, you know, we got Ricky Williams and all That's that. right. Yeah. So, I just want to talk, like... Explain 
how you motivated your like how did you get excited about like going to these games in the 70s early 80s where you knew it's like they're, they're not winning today but you would go like explain explain that because i don't think there's a whole generation of saints fans that understand that experience well it, it was never about winning that that's what the the first part of the tempering is 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 it was about going there supporting the team and hoping that they're going to have a good game. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're expecting a win, which are two very different things. And so if they won, it was great. But if they lost, it was, it was, um, it was just, okay, well, we'll get them again next week. But, you know, th- there's another kind of Saints fan there, and you probably sat next to them in the Superdome at points, the guys that are always negative and, oh, this is a thing that happened four years ago. And, and, you know, what's his name is terrible and all this stuff. And, and so I think those are the kind of people that fall off. But the eternal optimist fans are the are the really the backbone of the of the Saints fans. And they're they're, they're the ones that just that just love the the promise of of a win rather than the expectation. You, this, of a win. Matt, Matt sounds so, like our kind of guy, Andrew. We I joked on Twitter yeah. with people. I said you don't think I can talk myself into Jameis? I talked myself into Brandon Browner at corner. I can talk <laughs> myself into anything working out for the Saints. Well, I'm just curious. So ha- have you, as as a team has won a Super Bowl and you've tasted more success, do the losses, ha- have you been the same always, Matt? Like, are you, like when you go to a Saints game now, are you still just like root for the team? If they lose, it's a bummer. But like, I'm here to support them. It's all good. Like, have you always been the same? Or do you now feel like there's a little bit more expectation? You actually want to see them win because there's a little bit more p- belief each week that they can act, they can win every time they step in the stadium. Um, not really. I mean, with the the talent upgrade and the and the 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 um the way that the the Saints have become sort of a top five NFL team since uh since sean payton's been here i um i feel like there's a lot in the bank you know so i don't i don't really i'll always love them and i look at at what they're doing as you know i still have the same expectations that they they play a good game and they beat them and um that really doesn't change. And I think that maybe I could take a bit more losing than, than um, maybe other saints fans can, because I've been through the really bad part and I, and I feel that they're um, like I said, they, they have a lot in the bank. They've done a lot for, for winning and for saints fans and for the city. Before we get out of here, Matt, I want your thought. I want your thoughts on the 2021 Saints. Like, you sound like a guy who you're getting excited. You're going to talk yourself into Jameis. You're going to talk yourself into all the the post Drew Brees era. How are you feeling about 2021 and getting being able to go back to the games and that sort of thing? Well, I'm I'm excited for Jameis for two reasons. He, I mean, there are two schools of thought, you know, his eyes were messed up and, and, 
you know, he, he is a substantially better quarterback than he was at Tampa. I mean, the couple of games he played this past year didn't really say that, but, but I'm still optimistic. So, so either he plays really well and, and we win or he doesn't and Peyton's going to pull it. I think Peyton has a, a very short leash with him just from his history. So I don't think it'll, it'll suck either way. And I think if they pull him, they may put the kid in there. Yeah. So that's it. That's an interesting, that's an interesting, that's uh, a great point. I, I didn't think about that, but you think about how like the prolonged agony of Brooks with Hazlitt and how they were attached at the hip and it like, I think that's a great point. And part of it's just like his contract. He only has a one year deal, but like, he's not going to have a whole lot of rope and it, and, and Sean Payton isn't going to think twice about making a change. If at any point he feels like, yeah, this isn't really happening. Yeah, and that, it, I, that actually gives me more peace of mind. I agree. And that's a great, you know, Matt, you may break up a great point is it just hit me that this is a, this is a, a place where I think Sean Payton's arrogance can actually help the Saints. Where I think a coach that isn't as arrogant or confident about his offensive capabilities, if Jameis is like mediocre or slightly better than average, like a lot of coaches would be like, we, we can't. We can't get rid of Jameis. We, we can't go backwards at quarterback. Where I think Sean Payton's arrogance might be a good thing where he'll be like, Jameis was just, I can get anybody to do that. I'm not paying Jameis $25 million to be above average. I can make any goddamn quarterback above average. Go get somebody new. And I think that Sean Payton's arrogance in that situation, we don't think of it that way, but it could be a positive for the Saints next offseason. Yeah, well, uh, I hope so. I mean, I always feel like Payton has a plan. You know, sometimes it, it doesn't work out. And I think Breeze these past two years were was was just his body was given out and he didn't want to admit it. But but um but I I just think it's it's he's doing his best under the circumstances. But now that Breeze is has exited, I think he's has a lot more freedom in making random quarterback decisions. Yeah. So guys, Matt, we can't thank you enough for supporting the show and guys support the show at the highest level. He, like he's Matt definitely, does. he's definitely my, he's my favorite Matt Ryan. He's like my, the best Matt Ryan that. in the history of the world. But guys, if you support the show at the highest level, you can have a show where your own show, where like just like Matt, where we just talk Saints history, and we just let Matt Matt tell us stories about watching Tom Dempsey kick the game, win the sixty-three yard, then NFL record field goal. But support the show any way you can because it allows us to do this every day. It allows us to hire Thomas. It allows us to have graphics for the, the Drew Brees worst decision, decision bracket and do all those amazing things. So if you can, please consider supporting the show. And Matt, we can't thank you enough, guy. This was this was an amazingly fun 30-minute chat. Uh, thank you, guy. It was a pleasure. I'm glad you had me. And everybody else, We will see you again tomorrow. Hear that? That's the sound of change being cooked up in our schools. Each day, school food professionals throughout California are working to make better meals for our kids, one tray at a time. 
These meal planning, sauce stirring, taste bud training professionals are making food for students from kindergarten to high school using fresher ingredients and flavors kids love. The secret ingredient to better school food in California? The dedicated professionals who are improving it every day. Learn more about how they're cooking up change at schoolfoodpros.org. Grant provided by California Community College's Chancellor's Office.